Thank you again for joining us as we learn to level up in our faith. We find ourselves in a difficult season, physically, emotionally, politically, but I think especially spiritually. It it almost feels like we have been hit so hard that we have been knocked down by our circumstances, and it's just so hard to get up. And when you've been knocked down, sometimes the most difficult thing to do is to get back up. So I remember after coming out of my knee replacement surgery this past March, being home, the pain medication had worn off and I'm lying in bed and I am really hurting. But I was supposed to get up and I was supposed to walk. I didn't want to because it hurt so much. And sometimes it's taken those first steps after you've been on your back that are the most difficult and yet the most important. So what would have happened to me if I had said to Patty, it hurts too much. I'm just going to I'm just going to lay here until it doesn't hurt. And then when it stops hurting, I'll get up and have a try walking. What would have happened to me? I would have become a cripple. And some of Our church family have become crippled spiritually because life has knocked them down and it was too difficult and it's too painful to get back up. And we're in a season of life. It's knocked us down spiritually. Due to COVID, we have been separated from gathering for months. And some of you have faced struggles economically due to the past few months and it's taken its toll on your spiritual life. Others, You're so overwhelmed by the racial tension in our community and country and the stress of that. It just tripped you up spiritually. Others of you are so isolated due to your physical condition that you're just struggling spiritually with such limited encouragement from others. So what are we to do when life has knocked us down? Today, I want to encourage you to take just one step towards Jesus in your walk with him. Just one step. Everybody say that with me. Just one step. This series that we're in, Level Up, is an appeal by the Apostle Peter to stop going through the motions of our faith and just to give it all to God. And as I was reading through this letter and studying it, I I could just really sense Peter's heart as a pastor. I mean, something has happened to motivate him to write this passionate appeal to his church to say, don't give up. Stop just going through the motions because there is great spiritual danger in that place. And that God has given us everything we need to live for him. So let's make every effort to grow in Jesus Christ. I understand this, a passion appeal. Because of a discouraging email this week, someone who's already was somewhat disconnected from our church due to a lack of attendance and involvement has now, in this COVID season of crisis, grown so distracted as to not really consider themselves a part of Wildwood Christian Church. I mean, that hurts my heart because I love those people. And I know that it's not just an impact on them but it's an impact on their kids as well. I received another email this week from one of our leaders saying that they were stepping away from leading. I received yet another email this week from one of our church family just sharing that they were 
so overwhelmed with the struggles of life. They just, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to move forward. As your pastor, it it hurts my heart so much. I want to hear those stories. And I know how difficult life can be, but I also know the dangers of giving up and giving in to the spiritual attacks in our life, both attacks subtle and overt. And so I want you to hear this amazing promise from Peter that challenges us to level up. And the promise is this, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life, but we must take those steps. And if we take those small steps, then the promise is an effective and productive life in Jesus Christ, a life of great joy. But if we just keep going through the motions, then the warning from Peter is very grave. So I'm pleading with you to listen today and to consider what God wants you to put into practice through the teaching of this passage of Scripture. You see, spiritual growth is not a matter that you and I as Christians can treat lightly. It is a goal to which we need to give ourselves body and soul every day of our lives. And as Peter teaches us today, we must make every effort to grow in Jesus Christ. So turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and listen as Mike and Patty Conway read our scripture passage to us today. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. So I want us to focus on this one verse this morning as we consider Peter's message, ultimately really Jesus' message to Wildwood Christian Church. Now in this series, we're studying the whole passage that Mike and Patty read to us. But today, as we move through it, we're going to focus just on verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. So Peter starts this sentence by reminding us that it is the goodness of God that motivates us. It is the goodness of God that stimulates us. It is the goodness of God that inspires us. And he does that by starting with this, for this very reason. So what reason are you talking about there, Peter? We'll look back at verses 3 and 4. 
Our good God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We are not alone, but we have divine power within us to live our lives for God. We have everything we need to escape the corruption of this world. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. You and I have the greatest treasure when it comes to our spiritual growth. We have every resource that we need. Even during COVID, God has given us everything we need. Even in your heartache, God has given us everything we need. Even in your discouragement, God has given us everything we need. Even in your anger, in your frustration of the circumstances, God has given us everything we need. Even in our sickness, even in the layoff, even in the family crisis, even in the fam financial meltdown, God has given us everything we need. And so with this in mind, or for this very reason, and then Peter turns from God's amazing provision that motivates the Christian to the responsibility that you and I have to act. So he goes on there in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. And Peter uses very strong language to emphasize just how strenuously we need to pursue this goal. Make every effort. The word effort can also be translated earnestness or haste or zeal. And Peter is very fond of this word. He uses it three or four different times in his letter. And his point is very clear. Spiritual growth is not a matter that you and I as Christians can treat lightly. I mean, it's a goal to which we need to give ourselves body, soul, and spirit every day of our lives. It's the picture of a weightlifter straining with all they have, of a runner giving all that they have, of an athlete leaving it all on the court. We don't grow in Christ by sitting back and just waiting for God to do it for us. He demands an intense work ethic where we put every ounce of energy that we possess into our Christian walk. I mean, most of us today work very hard at our secular jobs. We sacrifice greatly to be successful. We work extra hours. We study. We read to learn more about our job. We attend seminars to improve our skills and our leadership. Does God deserve any less? Would this describe how you approach your walk with Jesus with every effort that you have? So Peter goes on. With this in mind, God giving us everything we need to live this spiritual life, make every effort, holding nothing back but giving everything, to add to. And so the term Peter uses means uh, to provide at one's own expense, to supply, to furnish, that which is needed for the well-being of another person. In the Roman world, it would reflect you know, a patron or a benefactor supplying the needs of a client. The word itself depicts um, a wealthy person who financed the training and equipping of the chorus for a dramatic festival. So the intent here is each one of these values supplements the others. Each virtue supplies the means of the next. But the effect of the whole is that they all work together to provide for the needs of the believer. Peter is implying that God has provided Christians 
the power to live godly lives. And now he emphasizes what the specifics are that we need to supply uh, to level up and to mature spiritually. So what are those qualities we need to be supplying to our faith? Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Now it's not like, well, I'm good now, so I can check that one off the list and now I can move on to knowledge. It's more of an example of the essential qualities that we need, qualities that are crucial, but they're interrelated and these qualities work together. But at the foundation of all of this is faith. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Now the faith here that's Peter speaking of is the foundational Christian virtue with it. We respond to God's call and we come to know him and his son Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Hebrews eleven six 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But true Christian faith, as James especially reminds us, always leads us further. James 2.14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So here Peter is referring both to that trust in God that allows us to accept and obey all that he says, as well as that life of faithfulness to him and to others that results. It it is the foundation upon which we build everything else in our Christian life. So we have the foundation of faith, that faith that saves us, that faith that motivates us. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and a mutual affection, love. Before we dig into these seven qualities, which will take us actually three weeks, why do you suppose Peter selected this list of seven? Is it his, you know, top 10 list? Actually, top seven. I mean, it certainly isn't an exhaustive list, nor does it exclude some of the other essential qualities we need to add to our faith. I mean, there are other lists that are found in Scripture. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourself, here it is, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other 
and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So why this list? I mean, maybe Peter was just tired of immature Christians in his church and he was getting after them. I don't think so. Maybe there had been some issues in this church and so these qualities address those issues. And maybe it's not even the qualities that are as important as is the need to just keep stepping ahead, keep growing in our faith. Now, don't get me wrong. I need these qualities in my life and I need to prioritize these qualities. But maybe it was more Peter saying, start taking steps every day. And here are the steps that you need to take. So whatever the reason Peter includes this list, we know God wanted this list in Peter's letter. So as you and I discuss these interrelated qualities, I ask you to prayerfully say, God, reveal to me how I can add these qualities to my life. So quality number one, we are to add to our faith goodness, supply goodness. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. So the first quality Peter mentions that we are to supply to our faith is this word goodness. Now goodness was a very important term in Peter's day. Uh, Among philosophers, it, it represented... Uh, a characteristic of those who lived a life of integrity, but that integrity was really based strictly on human reasoning. And so the Christian understanding of this term was linked not to human reasoning, but it was linked to the character and nature of God. And I really want to zero in on this. All of the qualities upon which we are to build our faith upon They're all linked to the character and to the nature of God. They're not based upon human reasoning, but they flow from the character and the nature of God. So important to get this. We are to practice goodness because God is good. And for that, we are so thankful that we can count on his goodness. Psalm 25, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your past, guide me in your truth, and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and the rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, here it is, are good. Good and upright is the the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. So this word goodness is used by Peter to describe God's quality that we as his followers are to supply in our own lives. Peter uses the same word as he describes God up in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory And here it is, his own goodness. So if I'm going to supply goodness in my life, it must flow from the character and nature of God, from God's goodness to me. So am I supplying goodness 
in my daily life upon the faith that I have in God? What might that look like? You know, today we may say that a person is good, but that can mean so many different things depending upon the situation and the circumstance. The biblical understanding of this word was almost wholly used in reference to God himself. In fact, Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 18 and verse 19, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. To supply goodness to my faith would be to ask myself, so would my choices, both choices inside as well as choices outside, would my choices align with how God demonstrates himself as good? And so that passage I read earlier from Psalm 24, God's goodness is tied to following God's past. God's goodness is tied to showing mercy and love and forgiving the sins of others. God's goodness is tied to teaching God's ways to other people. And in other Old Testament passages, God's goodness leads him to show compassion or to be faithful or to be a refuge for those who were in trouble. To be a, a person of goodness is to reflect the character and nature of God. Jesus said in Matthew 5:16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your, here it is, good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So am I demonstrating the virtue of goodness towards others? So we look to God and we ask, how can I also be good? 1 Peter 1, 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge. So we come to quality number two. We supply to our faith and our goodness knowledge. When we think of knowledge, we think of a person who is smart. In fact, they are smarter than a fifth grader. All right, let me tell you the strategy here. You have both of your cheats left. Do, do you have any idea out of the three which one it might be? I want to say either B or C. Piccolo, like Pickler, Piccolo. And percussion starts with a P. This is not a laughing matter. Yeah. It kind of is. I'm just going to keep the piece together. I'm just going to say percussion. I don't know if that's right or not. I just don't know, but I'm just going to say it, okay? I said it. I'm done. Oh, man, it's wrong. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Well, this word knowledge was already in the first century a loaded term among Christians. I mean, it was used by some Christians to claim superiority over other people because I know more than you know. And though this term knowledge does refer to what we know, it's really best understood as the ability to discern God's will. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Philippians 1.9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, 
knowledge and depth of insight and discernment. See, this knowledge that Peter is speaking of is a wisdom or a discernment that leads us to living the way God wants us to live, this Christian life. And so the emphasis is not so much on content, knowing about truth or about God, but it's really about practical Christian living. Knowing Christ and God will enable us to live the way he wants us to live. So true knowledge isn't just up here in the head, but it comes out in my life, in my hands, and in my actions, and in my words. That's true knowledge. So Patty and I have been binging on the History Channel show alone. There's so many people who know the principles of living out in the wild. But to see some of those people put that knowledge into practice, to help aid them to survive in crazy environments. Now that's real knowledge. And it's amazing how they can take what's up here and put it into practice in some very difficult situations. We love that show. And Peter, he's using this term knowledge as not just knowing, but doing, putting it into practice. And this is the knowledge about God and about his son, Jesus Christ that leads us to practical Christian living. I gain knowledge from the word about what God wants so that I can put it into practice. Again, this is why the study of God's word is so crucial. Because as you study the word, I want to encourage you to make note of how you should be using that knowledge and putting it into practice. For example, this week in my reading, I read Jesus' words, Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the knowledge I gain is that storing up treasures on earth without being rich towards God is foolish. So I... Ask myself, which is the greater priority in my life, making money or living my life to honor God? Or here's another example. I read these words from James, James chapter 1. This is a good one. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So I asked myself, what do I learn? I learned that anger is detrimental to what God wants. So what do I put into practice? I put into practice being quick to listen, slow to speak, so that I can be slow in becoming angry. And this is what we do each week in our messages. We take a passage of scripture. And we use it to gain knowledge and wisdom and insight about God and his character. And then we move it from our heads into action. And so we talk about the so what and the now what of a passage. It's what you need to do in your own personal study. You read the Bible, yes, to gain knowledge and insight into God. But you also read it to say, now what do I do? To apply it in your life in practical fashion. Now, one of the struggles of this particular passage, and you need to know there are always unanswered questions as we open God's word, but the struggle is about the balance between God's work 
and my work in this thing of holy living. Peter almost makes it look like that it's all up to me. Make every effort, Doug. So what is the balance between what God does and what I do? So it's a lot like sailing a boat. I raise the sail, I may direct the rudder, but it's the wind that moves the boat. And without the wind, I could go nowhere. Only God can make us holy. Only God can forgive us. And that only happens when we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Savior. I can do nothing to save myself from my sins. But when we put our trust in Jesus, God's promise is that his spirit will live in us to help us live this life for him. God makes us holy at salvation. He forgives us. And he continues to make us holy through the spirit living in us. But we must put forth full effort to cooperate with his spirit. God provides the power. That's the wind. And we as believers cooperate by making every effort, lifting the sail, moving the rudder. And so in this passage, Peter emphasizes human responsibility because he's confronting a situation where people are in danger of becoming lax about their holiness. And he would be the first to insist that our own effort to become godly is doomed to failure if God by his spirit is not already working in us to produce just that godliness. So I want to give you a practical suggestion. I remember my brother-in-law, John Clark, preaching on this passage of scripture many, many years ago. And he challenged the listeners to practically apply this passage, to add to your life daily these qualities by using the days of the week. So there are how many days in the week? Seven, good answer, just check and see if you're listening. And how many qualities that we have here? So we add to our faith what? Seven different qualities. So he suggested that every day you get up and you work on a different one. Today is Sunday, right? So I'm going to work on applying goodness to my faith. So you do that for the rest of the day. You think about goodness. What is God's character and nature like? How is he good? And so I put that into practice. Then tonight, before you go to sleep, you say, you know, God, I did my best. I messed up some, but I worked today to add to my faith goodness. Then you get up tomorrow and you say, I'm going to add to my faith knowledge. And you strive to do just that. So on Monday, I'm working on knowledge. Then Tuesday, I'm working on self-control. Wednesday, perseverance. Thursday, godliness. Friday, mutual affection. Saturday, love. And then next Sunday, you start over again. And I love what that does in tying that promise into our lives. 2 Peter 2.8 For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think we all find ourselves on a slippery slope during this COVID time. You know, we're either distracted by responsibilities we haven't had to deal with for a while, or we're distracted by discouragement of things that are overcoming us, or we're distracted by trying to figure out how to deal with our kids or work in a new environment. But the end result of all that distraction is a slow drift away from Jesus. And according to Peter, that is spiritually dangerous territory. 
So I'm preaching this message as a challenge for us to stop going through the motions, to stop this slow drift, and to take simple yet intentional steps towards Jesus. And this passage from Peter is a great way to do that. It begins just as Peter is encouraging us with a single step today. Today, I'm going to put into practice goodness and strive to practice this virtue in everything I do and with everyone I encounter. Then tomorrow, I'm going to put into practice knowledge, striving to learn more about God and what's important to him. I really also want to encourage you to memorize this passage, or at least verses 5 through 7, so you know those qualities. But here's the question. What step do you need to take today? Do you need to practice goodness? Do you need to grow in knowledge and obedience to Jesus Christ? I want you to reflect on that step. What step do I need to take today as we continue worshiping together?